With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Episode 32 of the Shock Jock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you. Big, big show. NBA trade deadline is done. The moves are starting to trickle through. The Knicks, now without Steve Mills, made a big trade today. We'll dive into that. We'll dive into the future without Steve Mills. Scott Perry took the reins for this trade deadline. Did a decent job. We'll get to that later on in the show. Not a bad week for the Knicks. Couple of wins. That might stop happening after this trade, but (laughs) Knicks did get something good done during the trade deadline, at least as far as I'm concerned. I thought it was a decent deal. We'll get to that. We'll get to some of the performances from over the past week, and then we will dive into the future of the Knicks without Steve Mills, and we'll see where they are going as far as the future of running the Knicks basketball operations. Might as well start with the performances first. We'll be quick here because the Knicks obviously have made a trade. Uh, The Knicks got a couple of dubs this week, a win at Indiana. Pretty impressive win for the Knicks. It's got to be up there for one of the best wins of the season, up there with the the win at Dallas possibly uh, as well. I mean, it's right up there. Knicks played really well defensively. Uh, and bookended, you know, kind of two mediocre quarters in the second and the third with two of their strongest defensive quarters of the season in the first quarter and in the in the fourth quarter as well. Knicks outscored Indiana 24 to 11 in the first quarter. I remember thinking, all right, this was a really good quarter, but they're going to give it all back and they didn't give it all back, at least not in the second quarter. The third quarter they <laughs> they found a way. But in the fourth quarter, the Knicks were stifling again. 92-85 was the final score, and Julius Randle was great. 16 and 18 rebounds, 28 points from Marcus Morris. Taj Gibson had 10 and 7 as well. Balance scoring off the bench. Damian Dotson, 8 points. Kadeem Allen had 6. Not a great game from Bobby Portis, but 5.7 rebounds. Not bad. Mitchell Robinson, 4 points, but 7 rebounds and a couple of assists as well was decent on the defensive end though the numbers don't really point that out uh not a great plus minus from mitchell robinson either but uh you'll take a little bit off the bench when, when you're able to get 28 from marcus morris but the big thing was uh in this game you know victor oladipo really struggled off the bench he continues to struggle for the pacers but the knicks took advantage of that and got a nice win uh on the road, tough place to go and play. Knicks backed it up and picked up another win as well on the road, beating Cleveland in overtime, 139-134, complete opposite kind of game, obviously. All four quarters were extremely high scoring, and the Knicks got another big performance out of Marcus Morris. Julius Randle was solid again, but really, I mean, the star of the show was Alfred Payton. 17 points, 15 assists, and 11 rebounds, a triple-double for Alfred Payton. How good was he? Dennis Smith Jr., maybe his best game of the season. 15 points, 6 assists, 
and four steals as well. 12 points apiece from Bobby Portis and Kevin Knox. Frank Nilakina woke up, finally had a good game, nine points, seven rebounds, pretty solid defensively as well. He had one possession where it looked like he was guarding everybody on the floor at one time. He kept shifting around. It was great. Nine points from Damian Dotson as well. Uh, again, not a great game from Mitchell Robinson, at least on the offensive end, but he was better defensively than he was in the last couple of games before that. And despite all five Cleveland Cavalier players being in double figures in a monster game from Kevin Love and from Colin Sexton, the Knicks figured it out in overtime, and the Knicks now have 15 wins on the season. They're going to pass that mark that they set last year, which was a really bad mark, to be fair. But at least they're going to improve on those that win total from last year. The bad news is, though, it's going to get a lot harder because of the trade. So let's go into the trade because the performances really kind of get pushed to the back burner because of the NBA trade deadline. A lot of big trades uh, going on. At least what, you know, not a lot of big play. I mean, Clint Capella gets moved and uh, and things like that. As far as trade deadline day specifically, um, not a lot of, not a lot of big names getting moved. Just a lot of, you know, kind of pieces, as you would say, you know, kind of players you're hoping can be that one piece, you know, helping your team out or things of that nature for the Clippers. They were looking for that one piece that kind of pushes them towards a championship. They're looking for that dynamic piece to kind of push them ahead of the Lakers out West. And this big three team trade that went down just a few hours ago from recording of the podcast pretty big deal uh for all teams involved i think all teams come out of it with you know a decent haul i think maybe the you know it's a three-team deal the clippers the knicks and the wizards i think the wizards probably come out the worst for wear as far as who wins the deal knicks kind of nestling there in second i mean they get a decent haul in the trade I'll, i'll go through let's go through the trade real quickly then we'll get into the big trade of the day as well i do want to give my thoughts on that as well but let's start with this Clippers Knicks Wizards three-team trade this is how it goes down the Clippers get Marcus Morris and Isaiah Thomas Marcus Morris from the Knicks Isaiah Thomas from the Wizards the Wizards get Jerome Robinson which is not a whole lot uh, considering who they gave up here although I'm sure they just want to get rid of that Isaiah Thomas contract and the Knicks end up getting Mo Harkless, who was a St. John's kid from Queens, uh, at least as far as his basketball is concerned. Decent player, uh, to be fair. He's on, I think, about 11 or $12 million on his contract. And the big thing is the Knicks get the Clippers' 2020 first-round pick. Right now, as the draft stands right now. Oh, by the way, the Knicks also get a 2023 second-round pick via Detroit in the deal as well so the Knicks actually got a couple of picks one for down the road could you know may or may not matter but you know you'll take the pick but the big thing was the Knicks get a second first round pick in this upcoming NBA draft that's the big thing from this trade that the Knicks get listen Maurice Harkless is clearly a downgrade at least over this season's Marcus Morris although Mo Harkless is a decent player you know I, I, I think you know people forget about his time a little bit with Portland, I think he had a solid time with the Blazers. But I and listen, he's from Queens. He's a New York kid. He went to St. John's. He's 26 years old. 
This year, his numbers aren't great. Five and a half points per game, four rebounds per game. Um, not phenomenal. You know, it really hasn't been that good at times with the Wizards. But the Wizards stink. I mean, that's the bottom line. That, and that's the bottom line here. Now, for his career, he's down two points per game this year. He's also down in uh, slightly down in minutes. He's up in field goal percentage and up in three-point shooting. But it's been, you know, part of that's been... Uh, the fact that uh, the team he's been on, you kind of kind of factored that in a little bit as well. His final game with the Wizards, he had 11.7 rebounds against the Heat. So as far as production, it's a huge drop-off from what Marcus Morris is giving you. However, you will take that. And, and by the way, he's also day-to-day, I believe. Actually, I was just checking on this earlier. Uh, according to ESPN.com, he's actually day-to-day. So he's dealing with a little bit of, he's been a little banged up this season as well however you will make that deal to get a first round pick and that's exactly what the knicks needed to do so as far as i'm concerned you know you start looking at grading the trade here and this is the big i mean this is the first big trade the knicks have made uh in a while here as far as you know who you know what they're getting back in return and and maybe feeling good about it i guess is what i what i should say I think the Knicks come out of here as second favorites in the, as far as the winners in this trade. I think the Knicks have to feel pretty darn good about what they got back. Could they have gotten more back? Well, there were rumors that the Lakers were involved in a trade with the Knicks. Apparently, that was very close to happening. Kyle Kuzma was apparently the reason that trade did not happen. The Lakers were not ready to part with him as of yet. The Knicks were looking for Why not? Why not? If you got the hot commodity, why not push for somebody like that who, you know, maybe is, you know, in, under some people's microscopes, not playing great, but with the Knicks, I mean, Kyle Kuzma could have been an interesting piece, but also you got to factor in, did the Knicks get what they wanted for draft picks along with Kyle Kuzma? That could have been part of the reason why they didn't do that deal. Either they get a little bit of both here. They get a decent player who's going to come home, play New York basketball. He's a New York kid. So you get a little bit back for the Marcus Morris give up. Again, you're not, you know, Marcus Morris just scored, you know, over 50 points this week. You're not going to make that up, but you get a serviceable player in Mo Harkless to help you finish the rest of the season and try to pick up some more wins while you get the big prize for right now for the Knicks, which is you got to build in the draft 2020 first round pick on top of the Knicks likely having a top five pick as well. That's exactly what the Knicks needed. And if you, you know, listen, Marcus Morris was by far the biggest piece the Knicks could have traded during this trade deadline. Here's the deal. That's why you sign these guys to short contracts. So you maybe can get something for them if they do what Marcus Morris did, put up unbelievable numbers. The Knicks have cashed in on Marcus Morris. They get an extra first round pick. That's huge. I think the Knicks get a solid B plus for this trade. I really... I. I'm, I think it's a good trade. I, it's not a great trade. You know, you didn't get you didn't get ex, you didn't get the upper echelon. You know, you didn't get the perfect scenario. But that doesn't. It's never going to happen in the NBA. You don't always get that. You got to give up something to get something. It's solid B plus. I think I think Scott Perry kind of taking the reins here did a decent job. I I, I think he he should be commended for now for this for this trade. And now you got to think. You know, what are the Knicks going to do with that pick right now? Looking at the at the big board for the NBA draft right now, the Knicks, if the season ended today would be picking third, depending on the lottery and things like that. They're most likely would pick third in the draft. 
And then with this deal now done, you know, according to Ian Begley and Adrian Wojnarowski, you're looking at the Knicks right now. Clippers, I think, are slotted in. Let me update the mock draft just to make sure. The Knicks would have the third pick, and they'd have the 27th pick in the first round. That's a, that's a great start right there in a draft. And the Knicks, of course, at the moment, have the 33rd pick overall as well, which dives into the second round. So the Knicks have three solid picks in the draft. It's a great set to have. Three great positions for the Knicks to be in in this draft. You look at the top three right now. The Knicks are in a good spot. Listen, three is, again, the most likely scenario for the Knicks at this point in time. Look, if you're looking guards, you got LaMelo Ball. We've talked about this already on a previous podcast. You're looking at Anthony Edwards as a shooting guard. Cole Anthony, great point guard from New York, from North Carolina, going to finish out the season with Carolina. Three great options. Obi Toppin, James Wiseman. So there's a great couple. I mean, Vernon Carey, if you want to dip a little bit further. A lot of options for the Knicks in the top three and in the top five, even if they drop a little bit from that three spot, the Knicks in that first spot always had a good chance of getting a good player. But now you add that 27th pick, at least right now, that the Clippers have. Knicks go a few different directions there. You look at a guy like Paul Reed out of DePaul, a power forward. Jordan Wara as well. Tyrese Maxey. Devon Dotson, a point guard. And then even did you dive into the early second round, 33rd pick right now, for the Knicks, a lot of guard options here. I mean, there's a ton the Knicks could go with point guard or shooting guard. Cassius Stanley out of Duke. You dive a little bit further down, you're looking at Marcus Howard out of Marquette, Malachi Flynn out of San Diego State, Peyton Pritchard out of Oregon, Miles Powell out of Seton Hall. A ton of second round options the Knicks could go to. Trey Jones, Cassius Winston. There's some really, I've talked about this before. There's a ton of really good second-round guards that the Knicks could dive into, and that makes the having that late first-round pick, the Knicks can get greedy now in the first round of this upcoming draft, and they can really pick off a couple of players they really like before that second round of guards comes to the Knicks as well, where the Knicks could really do well with a solid second-round pick. So, I, listen... We're grading these kind of things right now. I think the Knicks are looking at a B-plus right now for this move. So on top of that, you're looking through the rest of this Knicks deal here, according to Ian Begley, who covers the Knicks for SNY. Knicks on top of that, top of Mo Harkless and the Clippers' first-round pick, they get the right to swap the 2021 first-round with the Clippers as well. First-round picks, they get the rights to a foreign player and a 2021 second rounder via Detroit. So actually Ian Begley's going against the ESPN report as far as that right to that to that Clippers extra pick. Apparently ESPN is saying that's a 2023 second round pick and and according to Ian Begley it's a 2021 second round pick. So maybe there's a bit of a typo there uh, or whatever the case may be. I'm not sure what the discrepancy is with that that's a really interesting development there that's a big difference obviously as well ian begley has not made a correction on that so i only have to if i can i'm going to quickly just double check on woge here and see if he made any clarification on his report of this he's just got the he's got the initial trade he doesn't actually have you know what he doesn't even have the the details as far as uh being that detailed you know as, at least as not at least not as detailed as 
uh, Ian Begley was. So, well, well for, the, for the time being, uh, you know, it's uh, Ian Begley. I, I, I think I'm going to go with him here. He's the local guy as far as the Knicks is concerned. Will Jarowski's got a lot going on, uh, and ESPN is dealing with a lot of trades. So maybe they just had a bit of a typo there on the website. Uh, according to Ian Begley, it's a 2021 second-round pick. So that's even better as far as I'm concerned than ESPN reporting a 2023 second round pick. Regardless, this is a B plus, I think, for the Knicks. I mean, you think you again, you look at the prospects they could haul in in a possible draft upcoming. You know, the the, the top three, worst case top five pick, most likely. You got a lot of options. Again, LaMelo Ball, James Wiseman, Cole Anthony, uh, Obi Toppin. Anthony Edwards, then you're looking late first round around the 27th pick as it stands right now. Paul Reed, you know, you're looking at Jordan Warren, maybe a Tyrese Maxey, Devon Dotson, and then early second round, I mean, a lot of options. Cassius Stanley, uh, Marcus Howard, you're looking a little bit further down. We're talking Malachi Flynn, Peyton Pritchard, Miles Powell, a lot of options. Trey Jones, Cassius Winston. So the Knicks have got themselves in a great position for the draft. And I think, I, I'm not sure if I mentioned this earlier, but Scott Perry deserves a lot of credit for what's happened over the last 48 hours or so with the departure of Steve Mills or the firing of Steve Mills, and rightfully so. You know, the Knicks don't look great as far as the timing of that because you're thinking, all right, well, now what the heck's going to happen at the trade deadline? Are the Knicks not going to do anything? Are they going to leave themselves out to dry here? Are they basically just going to say, all right, you know what? Steve Mills wasn't going to, wasn't getting it done. Let's fire him now and then forget about the trade deadline. The Knicks were able to do both. They were able to get rid of a guy that's done nothing for this organization for years. He's continued to dig the hole uh, deeper for this Knicks franchise as far as running the basketball operations. Scott Perry steps in, gets the deal done. So I think he deserves to be commended for that. He took over from Steve Mills for this trade deadline clearly and got the job done. He did what the Knicks front office had to do here, and that is cash in on Marcus Morris. And they did that in a pretty big way. They get Maurice Harkless, a kid that's from the area. And during his time in the NBA, this has been a kid that's been a solid defender. I was looking back at his career earlier. He's coming from a Clippers team where he didn't get a ton of chance to shine. I mean, obviously, listen, you look at his numbers. He started a good amount of games. I mean, that's the good news. But with so many other good players on that team... This, this is a guy that's normally going to be a defensive asset. That's what he's been for most of his career. And listen, at times, he's been a guy that's put the ball in the hole. He's had a 10-point-per-game season back in 2016-2017. But this has been a guy that's played at least 45 games every year. And every other year besides that 2014-15 season where he only started four games, he's played at least 50 games. That counts this season where he started 38 of the 50 that he's played and this guy that's got his field goal percentage up ever so slightly this is a guy that can put the ball in the basket when he needs to he's not a great free throw shooter at least not this year he's been really bad compared to the last couple of seasons although his free throw attempts are slightly down from last year as well but this guy can defend this guy can give you some rebounds this guy can can score a little bit for you and has been improving on his three-point shot, especially compared to last season where he was really bad from three. But remember, this was a guy a couple of years ago for Portland that was a 42% three-point shooter. And he's got it back from 27 up to 37% this year. So again, not going to dive too much into Mo Harkless, 
Uh, this is not like, he, again, I, I might have misspoke earlier, not coming from the Wizards. He's coming from a Clipper team where he didn't really get a chance to, to show you the kind of player he was in Portland for four seasons, where he was a pretty important role player at times, uh, you know, playing with Damian Lillard and playing with C.J. McCollum. Not a bad player to get in this deal. I, I, it could have been worse uh, as far as that was concerned. And listen, you talk about going back and forth with the Clippers and the Lakers. Obviously, the Knicks were, according to reports, pushing to get a deal done with the Lakers that might have even included Kyle Kuzma. So you give Steve Mills the axe and you give scott perry the reins and you get a decent haul here so again i go b plus regardless you know again you know might be just a typo as far as uh who's who's reporting what on that second round pick i think whether it's 2021 or 2023 this is a solid b plus the only way this gets a little higher is if you got a better quality player than mo harkless but again you can't get you're not going to get a perfect trade a lot of times in the nba you got to give a little bit to get a little bit Knicks did a solid job, I thought, with this trade. It could have been, you know, the Knicks get stuck with Marcus Morris here. He's on a one-year deal. So part of that that kind of ends up being even better for the Knicks when you're looking at this whole scenario is, frankly, this. You could always bring Marcus Morris back. If you, if you, if you think he's that important, you know, or if you if you love him that much, and clearly, that you know, his, his farewell tweet on Twitter clearly shows that there was a decent relationship between him and and the organization, he's a free agent during the offseason, and the Knicks can reevaluate whether or not they think he'd be worth bringing back, and that's a big reason why you make this deal. It's why he's the, he's the prize guy the Knicks had to get something for. It just made too much sense. It made too much sense. A lot of times when it makes too much sense for the Knicks, they, they bleep it up, but they didn't do it this time. They made a solid deal. I think Knicks fans have got to be happy with this especially considering that there's been a shakeup in the front office. Again, a shakeup that's been long overdue, but the Knicks, in the end, did what they had to do during this trade deadline, and they got something for their most prized asset on the roster, and they did a great job, in my opinion. I mean, a B plus, I, you know, it's going to be tough to beat that during the trade deadline. Again, Clippers, I, I think, come out as the winners of this trade only because of the position they're in. And of the players they got, Marcus Morris right now, again, I don't know how much longer he's going to be able to put these numbers up maybe after this season. However, you know, Marcus Morris is having a really good year. He can give the Clippers a nice boost going to try to get ahead of the Lakers as far as the race for that NBA championship, or at least uh, getting to the finals out of the Western Conference. And from the Wizards, they get Isaiah Thomas, a guy that, you know, it's been a while since he's been any good, but has the potential to maybe be somebody off the bench that helps the Clippers down the stretch and maybe even as a role player in the postseason. The Knicks, you get Mo Harkless, a guy you can work with on this roster. He's a young guy who you can kind of use to help you know finish off this season and maybe get some more wins, uh, at least as far as defensive and a little bit of offense as well. But the big, th- the big prize is that first-round pick. It really, I mean, it's so valuable for this Knicks team for where they're going. And again, you know, kind of like Yankee fans out there will remember the Aroldis Chapman trade, getting all that stuff for Aroldis Chapman, trading him to the Cubs back in 2016. Cubs win the World Series. Yankees get Glaber Torres. And then, of course, they re-sign Aroldis Chapman during the offseason. So, you know, it's a little bit different. Aroldis Chapman means a lot more in baseball than Marcus Morris does, you could argue, in basketball. But it's it's that you have that flexibility you get a big first round pick you force the clippers hand a little bit you get their first round pick and then you you know get a little you get a, you get a piece you get an extra pick 
Knicks have got to feel pretty good about what they got in that three-team deal. And I mentioned this earlier, the Wizards get waxed in this deal. Jerome Robinson's not a good player. He's a young player, but not a good player, not yet at least 22 years old, but he hasn't done a whole lot in the NBA. And the Wizards, are, I think this, this just felt like a salary dump for them just to kind of fix the books a little bit as well. All right, let's take a break here. I want to dive into some of the other big trades during the trade deadline after the break. And of course, we'll talk about Steve Mills being fired and where the Knicks are going to next. That's the part uh, I'm not too thrilled with. We'll get to that in a second. Shock Shock Knicks podcast, posting and toasting podcast network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, let's do some of the other trades from around the NBA at the trade deadline. Just a couple of other notables that I want to give my two cents on. Obviously, the Knicks get, in, at least in my opinion, let me know what you think. Postingandtoasting.com comments at St. J7 on Twitter, or you can go to the Posting and Toasting page on Twitter as well. Let us know what you think about this trade. I, I think from, from what I've seen, I think it's been about... You know, Twitter's a tough place to gauge this, but as far as from fans on Twitter, you know, fans that I at least that I've had conversations with, and, and I think that for the most part seem to get the team, it's been mostly positive about about this trade. And I think it should be the Knicks get something they really needed, was which, which was an extra first round pick. So I, I think the Knicks have got to feel good about the trade. A couple other notables uh, that went down at the trade deadline. Couple of crazy deals uh, that happened towards the end here that I think need to be brought up. I think just for NBA talk, a couple of really big deals. We start with uh, the Andre Drummond trade. What a wild trade this has turned out to be. The Pistons and the Cleveland Cavaliers get done a trade. According to reports, Andre Drummond is going to Cleveland, and the Detroit Pistons in return get John Henson, Brandon Knight, and... According to ESPN, the years apparently have to be checked here. 2023 second round pick, the lesser of Cleveland's or Golden State's. Just a weird trade. I don't understand why that trade had to be made by either side. What the heck does Cleveland get out of this? I don't think Andre Jumman changes anything about their positioning in the NBA. Tristan Thompson apparently is not going to be bought out. He's going to be, you know, they're going to let him walk. At the end of the season as a free agent, maybe that's why they want Kevin Love to be partnered up with Andre Drummond. But is Kevin Love going to want to stick around? I mean, I, I just, this trade doesn't make a lot of sense, and Detroit doesn't get a ton back here. I mean, Brandon Knight's a good player, not a great player. The same can be, John Henson to me is, is a relatively mediocre player in the NBA. And then, okay, we'll throw you a second round pick in three years. I, I don't. Wow, just a weird trade. Uh, just a weird trade. But the blockbuster trade of the day, I mean, definitely not the biggest trade that's happened during the trade deadline, but the, the biggest trade of the deadline day has got to be the Warriors-Wolves trade. What a what a crazy, crazy deal this turned out to be. And I think the Warriors end up getting out with a decent haul here. Listen, the, both teams, you could argue, but listen, the Wolves, the Timberwolves get D'Angelo Russell, 
Jacob Evans, a kid I believe from Cincinnati, relatively young NBA player, and then the former Villanova star, one-and-done player Omari Spellman, all go to the Timberwolves, and in return, the Golden State Warriors get a 2021 top three protected first-round pick. The Warriors also get a 2021 second-round pick. But the centerpiece, I mean, the, the big... Uh, the big piece here that the Warriors find themselves with, and I, and I think this was kind of, uh, you could argue, the biggest piece that moved, I mean, maybe besides Clint Capella, Andrew Wiggins goes to the Golden State Warriors. I mean, this is a very, very interesting deal here. Now, of course, it gets kind of crazy. I mean, Andrew Wiggins, again, gets moved. Uh, second time, I believe, in his career after the, the trade deadline or not the trade deadline, but the draft day deal for Kevin Love. But Andrew Wiggins becomes a Golden State Warrior. And all of a sudden, next year's Golden State Warriors become very, very interesting. With Clay coming back off of an injury, Steph Curry as well, Draymond Green sticking around as well. And then you add in Andrew Wiggins, certainly an upgrade in my opinion, over D'Angelo Russell ever so slightly, maybe you could argue, but I mean, Wiggins has been doing it for a lot longer and is having a good season this year. That's a nice deal for Golden State. Couple of 2021 picks, a top three protected in the first round, and you get a star in Andrew Wiggins. That's a nice deal, I think, for Golden State. You give up D'Angelo Russell and a couple of your younger guys, but you get a, I mean, you get a good play. I mean, listen, D'Angelo Russell's numbers are pretty darn close. You could argue slightly better in some areas than Andrew Wiggins. But as far as the money here and as far as the contracts and as far as the upside, Andrew Wiggins being meshed in with Curry, uh, Draymond, and Clay is a very interesting prospect here. And again, Wiggins, again, is a forward, you know, kind of a wing player. D'Angelo Russell is more of a guard that, you know, you're going to have Thompson coming back. So... I like this move for Golden State. I mean, this makes a lot of sense for the long term. And Andrew Wiggins could help them maybe win a few games this year. Golden State, worst record in the NBA, 12-40 and 40 at time of recording. But I'll tell you what, that's a very interesting move at the deadline. Pretty big deal, in my opinion. So you look at that deal, and I got to tell you, I, I kind of like that more for the Warriors. I really do. I, some, you know, some are kind of going down the middle, it feels like. Uh, the Timberwolves, listen, the Timberwolves, D'Angelo Russell's a nice pickup. It really is. Not to kind of belittle what the Warriors got here, but, uh, or rather not to belittle what the Wolves got here, but you, know, you get Russell as a really good player. You get a guy in uh, Omari Spellman who could have a very bright future, and Jacob Evans who's a little bit up in the air but has had some decent NBA moments so far. I, you know, both teams could end up coming out winners from that trade obviously the big deal with Andre Iguodala moving on to the heat that deal had to happen with the beef between him and the Memphis Grizzlies although the Grizz are playing well without him regardless so it's great to see that deal kind of happen it gives the heat some extra firepower going into the playoffs as well getting rid of Waiters Winslow and James Johnson but you know to be fair the Heat also get Miami also gets Solomon Hill and more importantly Jay Crowder so a couple of decent pieces along with a guy in Andre Iguodala that could make the Heat a very dangerous team, even more dangerous in the postseason with the young guys they have, uh, like Tyler Hero. Uh, you look at the roster, Duncan Robinson as well. 
I, I think you look at where the roster is, right? Bam out of bio, an all-star as well. Um, and you again, Kendrick Nunn, by the way, how good of a first season he's had in the NBA. I, I think you really, you look at this Miami Heat roster, it's pretty solid, I have to say. Kendrick Nunn, solid player. Duncan Robinson's been very good. So is Tyler Hero, by the way. Along with a star in Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, who's turned into an all-star this year. He's only getting paid $3.5 million. That's going to change at some point. 22-year-old all-star out of Kentucky. I, Miami Heat have got to be one of the big winners of the trade deadline. And let me just say this, really, one more, one, just one more thought on this Pistons-Cleveland deal. I, I just... Just a weird deal. It really is. I, I just don't... Every once in a while, you get these deals in the NBA. You're just like, what? Why'd they even do that deal? That that feels like this Cleveland Pistons deal. I mean, I just don't get it for either side. But listen, a lot of interesting deals go down. Let me know what your, thought, what your thoughts are. Obviously, the Clint Capella deal is a big deal as well. A little bit older as far as the news cycle uh, as well. Capella goes to the Rockets. Excuse me, from the Rockets to the Hawks. And the, the the Rockets get Robert Covington from the Timberwolves as part of this 12-player deal on Tuesday. And, you know, listen, you know, a lot of moving pieces, but clearly the Rockets don't think they need Clint Capella. The numbers kind of back that up, by the way. The, the Rockets this season, without Clint Capella, from my research, 10-1 and one this season. They, they clearly don't think he's worthy enough uh, or, or rather not worthy enough, but they don't think he is necessary for a championship run this season. So they get smaller, but apparently the Rockets like it that way. And Robert Covington is a decent player, no question about that. Could be an interesting piece that kind of finds himself into this deal and in, into this into this rotation with the Rockets. You know, he's been a guy with the, with the 76ers in the past that has been a decent player for them as well, especially when you look at his numbers, Certainly can give you something on offense, but really defensively is where he can really shine. So I, I think that you look at that deal, and I, I think the Rockets, you know, let's say this. The Rockets got what they wanted. I think they got what they wanted. They got rid of Capella. They got something decent back for him, and they, they move forward. And they hope, they're hoping that that's going to be enough out West to maybe make a run at an NBA championship. It's probably not, I have to say, because uh, there's more problems than that on the roster. You could argue Clint Capella... Uh, in the playoffs could be very valuable for the Rockets. But it's one of those things where at some point, you know, you got to go for it and, and and make the deal or you let, you know, you let it slide. But when you put it out there in the public that you, you know, you don't think you need Clint Capella at some point, you got to make the deal and the Rockets made the deal. So that deal gets done as well. A lot of very interesting deals at the trade deadline this week. It's the NBA never disappoints. Does it? The soap opera that is the NBA trade deadline never ceases to amaze so one other quick thing a couple of notable teams that didn't make any moves oklahoma city stayed pat i, I was i can't tell you how wrong i was on the thunder how good of a season they chris paul has been unbelievable this year and i i thought they the re, again the reason i thought oklahoma city wasn't going to be any good was like was because was because i thought i didn't think chris paul would, would want to stick around but what a year the oklahoma city thunder are having they, they decide to stay pat and Indiana, I, I don't think, you know, just because of where they're at, you thought maybe they'd make a deal for somebody, but and that's not an organization that, you know, splashes any cash, rare, rarely ever. So it, it's a very stingy organization in that regard, but 
you know, there, there's a lot to work with. If the Knicks just beat them, that's not great for them, obviously, at home. But they're hoping that Victor Oladipo, when he gets back into form consistently, they're going to be a tough out in the NBA playoffs in the Eastern Conference. And, and they have every right to think that way. It's a great roster. There's a lot of young talent on that roster. So I think the Pacers staying pat, not necessarily a shock, but... Like maybe could, you know, you're thinking maybe they add one more piece, but they, they, they feel confident with what they have, and rightfully so. So again, I, just to wrap the bow on the trade deadline, Knicks fans, I, I think the Knicks for their trade, B+. Plus. I think I give it a B plus, uh at the trade deadline. Mo Harkless, a first-round pick this year, and whatever the second-round pick is, 2021 or 2023, regardless, decent haul, no question about that for Marcus Morris, and you get a kid in Mo Harkless from the Clippers that can maybe help you the rest of this season. And that's the thing, Mike Miller, part of the success that he's had that David Fisdale didn't get as much has been down to more consistent defending. Now again, it's not always there, but down the stretch in games, defensively, the Knicks have been much better under Mike Miller than David Fisdale. That's been the biggest gap. You know, you know, that's been the pro- that was always the problem under Fisdale this season. It was the one thing I could never defend him on. You know, and again, I'm not going out of my way to defend him when I've been defending him. I still think he got he got a raw deal. However, this it's undeniable. Mike Miller has done a much better job organizing the team defensively late in games because it, it's led to wins. The wins back that up. So, adding Mo Harkless to that is going to be a plus. However, of course, you lose your best scorer. But again, the real prize is that 2020 first-round pick, and the Knicks and the fan base, at least for that, have got to feel like it's a relatively successful NBA trade trade deadline. I can't think of the last time Knicks fans could say that. So there's good stuff to go on there. And to finish the show, we got to dive into what's going on with Steve Mills. The Steve Mills dismissal has been a huge story over the last week or so. And here's the deal. It had to be done. This should have been done, boy, I mean, years ago. You you picked the number. How many years ago this deal or this this dismissal should have happened? It's something that has been, a, you know, it's been part of the Knicks problem for years. Steve Mills has been a disaster at the helm of the Knicks basketball operations. And listen, they, you know, they tried to, you know, bring in Scott Perry to help things out. They, they, they've been trying to go through coaches. They haven't worked. But since... Since Phil Jackson has left, I mean, this has just not worked. It's just not worked. And the Knicks, I mean, you could argue, I mean, they're, oh, I don't know. Are they in a worse place than where Phil Jackson left them? Maybe not. But, I mean, how much better could they, I mean, I don't know. That's a debate. Are they in a better spot than they were when Phil Jackson left? I mean, Phil Jackson left the Knicks in a tough spot, a really bad spot. But when you look at where the Knicks are now, I mean, I don't know how much. I mean, the way Steve Steve Mill is going to be remembered in New York. I mean, we're talking about a guy that it's it's just not going to be. It's almost comparable, as bad if not worse than where Phil Jackson left them. And that's saying something. Holy smokes! I mean, this had to be done. They finally got rid of him. The, the biggest knock on this is simply the fact that. The timing was really bad. I mean, there's no question about that. Trade deadline was coming up, and you're thinking, oh, no. Like I said like I said earlier, what the heck are the Knicks doing here? 
Who's going to make the deal? Who's going to get something done? But that's the part that gets washed over now. Scott Perry takes the reins and does the job at the trade deadline. He, he did the job. So I give Scott Perry a lot of credit. You know, he's been the one that's kind of, I don't know. He hasn't been talked about as much because Steve Mills has been so bad. It, it's been it's been so bad under Mills that it's almost like, all right, Scott Perry is just kind of part of that. So we're not sure kind of a thing where we're at as far as what Scott Perry's doing. He's just kind of connected with Mills. But, you know, he takes the reins for this trade deadline, gets a decent deal done. But now you're looking at what's going to happen going forward. And according to the New York Times and multiple reports, uh, Mark Stein, of course, uh, great NBA writer and reporter for the New York Times, along with Sopan Deb as well. Pro- uh, apologies if I'm not pronounce- uh, pronouncing that correctly. Leon Rose, an agent, is expected to be the next Knicks president. Oh, boy. Uh, I, 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 oh, yikes. This is, I, I, let's start with this. The Masai Ujiri nonsense that kept coming out. Um, listen, according to multiple people, the Nick job is coveted. However, it's been coveted before. Any job with the Knicks player, coach, or otherwise, has been quote-unquote coveted. That doesn't mean the Knicks are going to get them, as we've seen time and time again. So the Masai Ujiri thing was always a pipe dream. He's in a good spot right now. Listen, he did just turn down a long-term extension, apparently, with the with the Raptors. So that kind of gave multiple teams, including the Knicks, hope that maybe uh, he could be part of this destination. However... As we've seen from this latest report, clearly he's not that interested. If the Knicks, because the Knicks, if the Knicks, if if he had any interest, now to be fair, the Knicks didn't even have a meeting with Kevin Durant because they didn't get to see his medical records. So did they ever really, you know, as far as formally, did they ever really go after Masai Ujiri? Probably not. Not a whole lot. But also they could have, it could have been one phone call. I'm not interested. All right, we'll move on. So it's, it's a tough thing to, to gauge. However, a creative artist agency agent here, CAA, it's the magic buzzword of the day. Not exactly uh, ugh, not exactly a step up here, and that's saying a whole lot. Steve Mills, is, God, he's been terrible with the Knicks. And, you know, bringing in Leon Rose, again, one of the, you know, again, one of the pros here, is that Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James uh, have deep connections with him. Uh, Whoop-de-bleep-and-doo. Carmelo's going to retire soon, and LeBron James is in L.A. going for an NBA championship. Or at least a Western... He's trying to get to the NBA Finals right now. Come on. That means nothing here. Knicks declined to comment, according to the New York Times. Here's the deal. It's another restart. James Dolan wanted another restart. He decides to do it. And apparently, according to the New York Times, Dolan did not want to go that deep into trying to get Masai Ujiri. And, you know, James Dolan wants him. But again, it could have been, you know, whatever you want, whatever you're, you know, use your imagination here. 
Clearly, they didn't feel it was worth going for the long haul and getting Masai Ujiri for whatever reason. And to me, that's ridiculous. I think you go for him whether, he, whether you know he wants the job or not, but the Knicks are trying to move quickly, and apparently Leon Rose is the guy. I, I don't know what to tell you. To me, it doesn't feel like the right move at all. Um, it feels like the Mets hiring Brody Van Wagenen. Um, but there are people who seem to be split on him too. So it's, it's just like, what are you supposed to do? I, I don't know. I don't know. And listen, you know, with, with all with what the Knicks have been going through over the last de- two decades, Scott Layden, Isaiah Thomas, Donnie Walsh, Phil Jackson, Steve Mills, get the doggy bag ready. I mean, my, my gosh, just an awful run through for most of those guys. The Knicks have, you know, listen, since 2000, New York Times points this out as well, six playoff appearances, but have only gotten out of the first round twice. That's all the Knicks have done over the previous five presidents of the New York Knicks. It, that actually, those numbers actually feel high, but that's 20 years right there. I'm surprised the Knicks have made the playoffs that many times in 20 years. It doesn't feel like that many. It feels like it's less. But, uh, goodness gracious. Oh my gosh. It's, it's just, it's really frustrating. It really is. But, you know, what people will point to, and the New York Times even pointed this, Rob Palenka with the Lakers. Former agent, Lakers general manager, vice president for basketball operations. He's represented, once obviously because of their friendship, represented Kobe Bryant and that friendship developed into a brotherhood between those two before Kobe tragically passed away like we talked about on the last show. Bob Myers is another example with the Golden State Warriors and president of basketball operations. Was also an agent before joining the franchise. Um, so there you go. But but to be fair, and again, I love when Mark Stein does this report and he points out well here, it's well to well within reason here, his predecessor Larry Riley gave him a lot of tips before he took that job. Gave him a lot, uh, basically gave him the blueprint to complete that job at a high level. So keep that in mind as well. So here's the deal. This is a huge risk. There's no question about it. It's a huge risk bringing in an agent, especially nowadays. But the Knicks are going to be hoping that this guy is going to do a lot better in the free agency market than these other presidents have that's the bottom line and i'm gonna have to be convinced that this is the right move that's the bottom line i i i i I, this is such an up in the air move to bring in an agent as the next general manager there's some precedent for it obviously but it's the next it's james dolan we we don't know we don't know how this is going to play out only time will tell but for right now uh, i think you got to be happy with what the knicks did at the trade deadline Steve Mills is gone. That's a big plus as well. I think the Knicks finally made a right decision with that as well. It took way too long. This should have happened years ago. But the Knicks finally got rid of Mills. They're bringing in an agent. And we'll see how it goes from there. But at least the, the one thing the Knicks fans can take away from the trade deadline and from this last week of news, the Knicks got something from Marcus Morris. They have another pick in the draft in the first round that they can use to, to help hopefully improve the roster and maybe help to 
entice a free agent that you know leon rose is supposed to be in charge of getting either during this next offseason or the offseason after that and that's the positives you have to take from this the negatives are who the bleep knows what the heck's going to happen this could easily blow up in the knicks face again or he could follow in the footsteps of the agents turned gm agents turned gm's vice president basketball operator whatever the case may be that i mentioned earlier from that great new york times article by mark stein wild episode this week uh let me know what you guys think about the latest moves going on with the knicks comments below uh posting and toasting.com or of course on twitter uh whether you go to posting and toasting twitter account or my twitter account at sj7 let me know what you guys think thanks as always for listening to the podcast make sure to subscribe on itunes and i will see you guys next time on the shock shock knicks podcast on the posting and toasting podcast network